everybody, Adam Cook here from Campus Inc. and the NIL Show. We are really excited to share with you our conversation this week with Coach Nima Omidvar, Assistant Coach of Men's Basketball at Coastal Carolina. Coach Nima is our, our first coach that we've had on the podcast. We've heard perspectives from uh, lawyers, from administrators, from athletes, and this was a fascinating conversation to get a little bit of an insight around a, a coach's perspective on, on, on NIL. He's a, a coach who's known to be a bulldog going after what's best for his athletes, and the NIL era is no exception. So thank you for joining us again, and we hope you enjoy this conversation with Coach Nima Omidvar from Coastal Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Steven from Campus Inc. We're back for another episode of the NIL Show with Adam Sean and a special guest. I'll let Adam introduce him. Adam, who we got today? Uh, we got Nima Omidvar. Uh, really excited to chat with you today, Nima. Um, I'll just kind of run down a little bit of your background, let people know who you are, where you've been, because you have a, a wealth of experience here. So um, you have uh, been a coach on, on both the high school and collegiate levels. Um, your collegiate tours of duty have have seen you uh, go from Fordham, George Washington, South Alabama, uh, spent some time coaching at Maryland, NC State, and Bowie State. Um, you have uh, made it seven NCAA tournament appearances, which is incredible, along with uh, recruiting 14 players who have gone on to uh, see some time in the NBA. Uh, so... Uh, Assistant coach now at Coastal Carolina. Uh, really excited to see what you guys have going on this year. Um, incredible school colors. Uh, so so really excited <laughs> to see that and, and really grateful to have you join us on the pod today. Thanks so much, Adam, Stephen. Excited to chat with you, Sean. Great to talk to you and see you again. Um, Sean and I got to know each other uh, working side by side at three NCAA tournaments out of that seven while at the University of Maryland. Um, really excited to be here at Coastal Carolina with a future Hall of Famer, Cliff Ellis, and, and trying to build this thing up uh, in an exciting time of uh, where we are with basketball. That's right. I, I think I think you're three. So you were at Maryland three years, Nima? Four years, three NCAA tournaments. The four, last okay. one was pretty young, um, but three out of four, not too bad. That's right. I'll take 75%. Right. It's not a... It's not that, an English paper. It's basketball. It's seven five. Yeah, seven, those are Hall of Fame numbers right there. If you're a baseball player, right? I think so. Yes, I think so. So, so of those four years, I actually only worked with men's basketball for the one year uh, that Coach Nemo was there. But it was an eye-opening experience working with Coach Nemo because he's just somebody who is constantly pushing and pulling levers and seeing how he can find an advantage in things, how he can best serve the players, how he can best serve the team. Um, and, and I loved working with him because he was just always looking to push the boundary on what you could do. Um, and so when we were started talking about NIL and name image likeness, I know that it's something that you've been thinking about for a long time, coach, uh, in terms of how it can benefit players and set them up to succeed. So uh, my first question for you, coach, Give me a college basketball player who would have made the most money if NIL existed during their time. Well, first player that comes to mind. First player that comes to mind is a kid that uh, is now a man, uh, Mellow Tremble, that we worked together with. <laughs> and you'd be really humble, by the way, Sean. I know you only worked officially one year while I was there, but you worked with men's basketball the entire time, just, just so we're clear. Uh, <laughs> Fair but enough. Mellow Tremble had the humility 
um, that I thought would uh, thought and think moving forward would lend itself to NIL opportunities. He was a Maryland uh, kid. He had Maryland tattooed on his back, literally the word Maryland. That's awesome. Um, and he, I, I never will forget. It, he came back for his sophomore year. We were top ten in the country, and we're doing a autograph signing in terms of uh, you know marketing to to help attendance for football who at the time you know was was still growing and building at that institution and Mello was gracious in signing every person's autograph and I said to Mello hey Mello I'm going to pretend that I'm getting a phone call I'm going to stick the phone at you you can answer it and we can walk away and Mello said nah coach I, I don't want that I worked hard to have the to sign these autographs and make these kids happy. And he signed every single one, took every single selfie. And that's the type of, you know, know, humility that I think really lends itself to brands, to, you know, campuses and communities, because if, if people want a piece of you and you're gracious enough to give a piece back of your time and your energy, um, there could be a reward for that. That's awesome. He was special. Diamond would have got the, uh, the the Mervis Jewelers and all those cats. Diamond would have got some, some deals out of it too. Now, um, so I think I think we have a lot of entries, and, and I think also it just lends to the creativity of, of you know the, those individuals and the people around them, and how they can really maximize their name, image, and likeness. Yeah, as a, as a coach, you know, I'm always curious to know from your perspective. Do you do you all look at it as a distraction? Do you look at it as like Oh man, like what are these deals they're getting into? They need to focus on, you know, on their, on their schoolwork and and being a great athlete. How was that mindset shift to like, for you as a coach, you want them to succeed, right? But you also want to win, win games. Yeah. I, I don't think of it as a distraction. I think you, 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 as a coach, you have to constantly adjust to the times when I got into college coaching it was 2011 2010 and that's when you know dragonfly was uh becoming an emerging video uh sharing software where it used to be literally drive and sometimes hand off a dvd um mail the dvd then synergy (laughs) showed up you know think of the example of uh netflix versus blockbuster and you know just countless of you know, business books, they're like, you got to adjust. Well, you know, as as someone that studies trends on a outside of basketball, I'm, I'm constantly reminded that you cannot be, um, you know, fragmented in your mindset of like, ah, I'm going to stick to the way it's always been done. You've got to evolve. You've got to adjust. So I don't think it's a distraction. I think it's a distraction if you're not um, in, enabling a healthy environment for the growth of, of your players. And, you know, there's a billion dollar industry that we're in, in college athletics. I think it's very healthy that our players are able to uh, tap into it. The reality is some of them have bigger uh, market shares than others. That kind of figures itself out. But um, in the grand scheme of things, it's, I don't think it's a distraction at all. Granted. Okay. So like, I, that's a really responsible decision. But I, I, I would ask, like, how do you – because they're kids, right? They're young. This, these are their adolescent years. And I feel like when that NIL, like, first boomed, like, everyone was like, I'm going to sign up for this and sign up for that and Cameo and, and Barstool <laughs> and all that stuff. What kind of, like, talks did you have with the team? I mean, it's a, it's a life talk to be like, hey, you're no longer a kid. Like, this is an adult 
this is this is business. What kind of how did those conversations change, or did you have any of them, or did you kind of just stay hands off? You know, uh, in the time of NIL, I've I've kind of eclipsed in, in three different roles. Um, so one year I was not coaching. I was I was in a in a year in between uh, opportunities where I really got to study it for myself, get to really meet with business owners, agents, uh, both uh, internationally and locally to really get a firm understanding of it. So that was my baseline to where I was, I was chomping at the bit to want to be part of, um, you know, NIL life. Uh, at Fordham University in New York, there were not laws that were passed that really allowed us to um entertain and engage those conversations, if you will. Here in South Carolina, there is a law that allows us as coaches to be involved in, you know, the solicitation of, of you know, deals and, and help our players market and manage their name, image, and likeness. So, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to to be here at Coastal is to, to be a part of this is um, Sean alluded to, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to be, uh, a step ahead of that next wave and the next trend. And I spent a lot of consider, you know, a lot of time considering how can we be the best at NIL. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in a state like South Carolina allows us to do that. So, you know, the, the, the conversations initially are simple. You know, guys, if someone approaches you, you know, you know, let's be smart about it and let's make sure we've outlined uh, who in your circle do you know and do you trust? Because, um, anytime that there's money and there's agreements, um, there's also going to be disagreements and you know, missing money. So we gotta we gotta be really careful on how we balance that. Uh, and then um, you know to that same point, it's like all right now we also need to be organized. You know, there's something called taxes. Uncle Sam is watching. So you know, how 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 are you managing that piece to ensure that there's not going to be a penalty and repercussion? Uh, for, you know, the fruits of your labor. So, you know, really educating uh, on the front end um, is important. You know, a lot of players often, you know, some of that education doesn't always uh, absorb. Uh, that's what our, our job as coaches are. We need to give the information in a, uh, you know, di- small bits and pieces where they can digest it and really comprehend it. Um, if I draw a play and it's way too complex and they don't get it, it was it was a bad play. So same thing goes with with education on NIL. If they don't uh, digest and comprehend the information, then we didn't do our job. Um, so that's that's just absolutely paramount, and it, it comes with um, I think constant communication. That doesn't require sit everyone down in the locker room and let's mm-hmm. talk about it for thirty minutes. It could be while we're walking to class. Um, hey, do you guys take care of everything you need to take care of for that NIL deal you got? Or, hey, you posted something on social media. I don't think brands would really like that. And that might be a reason why you don't have NIL opportunities. So let's really be aware with our eyes open on everything that we do on a daily basis. How, how do you, you know, you, you get into coaching because obviously you love the sport, but but I think, you know, especially in collegiate athletics, there has to be a, a desire and a love for mentoring young men and young women and, and, and wanting to help them kind of navigate that path of success, whatever that means for them. Mm-hmm. And, and in this NIL era, you know, you mentioned there's still a lot of states out there that don't maybe have legislation that's that allows coaches to, to have some of those tangible conversations. How do you navigate that of like, 
okay, I, I'm, I'm here because I'm an advocate for you. I want you to be successful. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mentor for you. I'm a resource. But there's this one thing that I, I can't really, you know, talk to you about or help you with that that's pretty massive. How, how do you navigate that? I think it starts really with trust. I, you know, that can't be the, that, that one thing can't be the first thing we talk about. Um, I think we've got to really build rapport uh, with our student athletes, uh, showing them that we care, showing them that we love them. Uh, that's more than just lip service that comes through actions um, that comes through, you know, you know, just time. There's just no other way. I, my, my track record at all the other institutions I've been at is, is very irrelevant when I walk into a new locker room um, and even more irrelevant. And I've, I've been part of five first year situations where you're walking in with the coach for the first time, you know, th- those guys that are there in that locker room, they don't know you. They don't, you know, really care about what you did in the past. It's really, what are you about to do for me moving forward? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always have uh, prided myself on being what, what I consider a, a dream maker. Um, and so whatever a player's dream is it may be that's what we want to chase after so having those candid conversations early on of what motivates you what makes uh you know you get up in the morning and and strive for greatness is very uh you know a a very important foundation on on understanding of where they want to go me holding them accountable to those goals and dreams and then along the way when we want to talk about that oh that one little thing like you mentioned adam you know that that's that's a big deal. And now we've got a lot of equity built up on our relationship and, and, and how we've interacted to where I could say, okay, here we might need to, we might need to hit the pause button or, Hey, we need to change something to get a better result. Uh, holding someone accountable is one of the best ways to show that you care for them and that, that you want the best for them. And so, you know, if someone is not doing something that that would be the best for them as someone who's lived as a both a business owner, a business, you know, uh, uh, entrepreneur, if you will. That's something that um, I I hold very, you know, near and dear. Hey, we've got other stakeholders in some of these other places in life. Let me show you an example of where this has bit us in the past. Mm. Now let's move forward uh, with a with a agreed upon solution for this task. And coach, I think one of the hardest parts of uh, one of the hardest parts for navigating you is probably that conversation early. A a, a player shows up, they're a division one athlete. Hey, I should make money just because I showed up. Well, no, 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 no. It takes time. You got to build your brand. You have to build that affinity with your audience, figure out who your audience is, these fans, these students on campus um, and explaining that entire process. Right. Yeah. So, you know, in reality, that's the way it should be. It's not right now. It's not being executed that way. That's okay. just the, the core truth of athletics. There are some that are that are getting a check just to show up, and so mm-hmm. the, the the markets will always correct themselves. That's you know, I was an econ major and, and studied all sorts of different market trends. The markets always correct themselves. There's not enough you know artificial you know dough that you can toss in this thing to make it make sense. This is an um, LIV so, golf. <laughs> that, that will correct itself, right? right. <laughs> but they're, you know, they operate in a different market. So anyway, that, that's the way I feel about that. Um, you know, Sean, you think about, you know, the, the, the running man challenge yeah. that, that 
did. Okay, Jared Nickens that we did that Jared Nickens and Jalen Brantley did. Jared Nickens and Jalen Brantley were two role players for us at the University of Maryland who uh they really took the running man challenge. Um they were kind of the the first uh to do it and the the major pushers of uh that that whole hashtag that became the most Googled thing in 2016. Um they were not the best players on our program. They were, they were some of the most likable. I, I still stay in touch with both of them to the, to this day. Um, and, you know, we sat in that, that locker room of ours and, and, and dreamt up different strategies to get other schools um, to, to be engaged. Villanova just won the national championship, you know, Chris Jenkins and Nate Britt, um, who were both in that game, uh, who were brothers they had both come play pickup in Maryland. I was like, why don't you guys just challenge them? They know who you guys are. Let this thing kind of go from there. And so you can grow things uh, authentically and organically, even without having production. Um, but you gotta, you gotta allow it to grow. There, there's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely going to be some market correction based on some of what we've seen in the world of NIL. And you know what? Some of the stuff that we've seen in NIL is, is rumor. Like they're, they're at, mm. on the coach's side and recruiting side, there's a lot of numbers that get tossed around that are unsubstantiated and, and we don't know if they're real. Um, mm. And there's no onus for anyone to prove that they're real. They're not publicly, um, sure. you know, they're not public information that needs to be put on the ESPN bottom line ticker. So um, that that's something else that, you know, everyone's going to have to navigate just like any other business. There's always misinformation. So this is, this is going to be, the, our, this is really uh, year 1.5, right? We we went through about a half a year in, a, in an offseason in recruiting, at least in basketball, where NIL was present. Um, this next season will be interesting. I think numbers will be kind of all over the map, but I think within the next two to five years, things will really kind of uh, plateau and, and the market will correct itself. Coach, do you see – so like I think what's really interesting – this generation, like Gen X, right? Whatever. Uh, they were born in the 2000s. It's crazy to think about. Uh, they are some of the most creative ever, right? And they're rewarded by like the gig economy, meaning like DoorDash and Uber and being able to work part-time jobs and have little pop-up stores. Like that wasn't something, you know, Adam, Sean and I had when we were, you know, whatever. It was just coming. Do you see a shift in the athletes that like really gravitate towards it and are like, I love this? Or and do you see like some athletes that are like, no, 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 I just I'm I'm just here to play ball. Like I don't want to do this. Are you seeing like kind of polarization of NIL at all? Uh yes and no. You see a lot that that want to to get involved and get engaged. I think it's just like anything else in society. Some people want to do, some people don't want to do. Um, you know, you've heard the saying, no pain, no gain. You know, like if you're not willing to put in the work for something, you're not going to get rewarded for that something. Mm-hmm. If you love basketball and you put in the work for basketball, you'll get rewarded for basketball. That doesn't necessarily translate in NIL. Just because you love money and you put the work in towards it, you're not going to get paid just because of your name, image, and likeness, you kind of have to have both. Um, and there's not, you know, there, there's those, those uh, desires are not always married up uh, in the same way. Uh, so there's that, but you know, as, as I just mentioned, some, some kids are going to get rewarded um, for just, you know, talent and, mm-hmm. and, 
you know what? That's that's life. Like yeah. if you're very talented and you, uh, you know, people like you because you put the ball in the basket more than other people or you ran across a white line uh, and into what we now call an end zone more than other people. <laughs> You get you you get fans. If you get fans, your brand grows. If your brand grows, you can get paid. You have more uh, access to to marketing opportunities. That's that's just reality. So um, I think everybody's got to make their own conscious decision. How do I want to grow my brand? Do I want to just kick everyone's ass on the court and I get followers because I'm kicking everyone's ass on the court? Cool. That's a great strategy. Do I want to spend time having very deliberate social media posts? Here we do Teal Tuesdays at Coastal Carolina. Do I want to be the best at Teal Tuesdays and get students to follow me because I do some crazy Teal Tuesday stuff? And then now I can market to my campus community. If that's what you want to do, let's 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 do that. Whatever it is, you got to be all in on it. If you're not, it ain't going to work. Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of two two quotes, two two disparate quotes, and I think Nick Saban said this just recently. But he said, "Look, you know, the reality is success takes what it takes." Right. Like it just that, that that's it. Like you, there's no yeah. shortcuts. There's no if you want to be successful, it takes what it takes. You just got to do it. And uh, and Stephen Ashworth, uh, basketball player, men's basketball player at Utah State was here talking about, you know, the, this you see these numbers and these deals that are thrown around, you know, in, in the media. And it seems like the stuff just landed in people's laps. And, you know, he's like, look, man, if you if you want to be successful in this NIL space, you got to put in the work. Right. Like whether it be on the court or marketing yourself or, or reaching out for deals like you, you still have to do something. You, you, you either have to be competitive and su- successful on the court of the field, or you have to focus on your brand or, or some combination of those both. But you can't just sit there and hope millions of dollars just come your way because NIL happens to be a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we've read about Texas tech football, BYU football. Those are two, some of the, the bigger names where they say, Hey, everyone on the team is going to get something. Well, you know what? They earned their scholarship to that school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they did put in some work and each of those institutions have outlined or their collectives, I should say, have outlined a, a pathway for them to put in some work. Uh, whether it be volunteer work and impacting their communities. I mean, Lubbock, Texas is not the most populous place. Uh, there's definitely community service that could be done there. And that's, you know, that's a place that ad- adores their um, campus community. Yeah. There's a huge value in any of those individuals doing uh, community service. That's a big deal. Uh, and the impact that they have is a big deal. So um, to, to for anyone to, to, uh, armchair quarterback and say, oh, they're just getting paid to get paid. Like that's that's so devaluing what they've already earned and yeah. the impact that they're having behind closed doors that, you know, general public doesn't see the smile that they put on kids' faces by interacting with them wherever they may be doing. If it's something to do with kids or maybe some some soup kitchen for uh, someone that uh, may be less fortunate is is, you know, you can't put a price on that. We went, I have to congratulate us, guys. We went over 20 minutes without saying the word collective, but we did it. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> we went there. Okay. We are, we are talking about collectives. I break the street, guys. All right. You yeah. broke the ice. All right. You are on the recruiting front. You're talking to kids in high school. Tell us about it from your perspective and how collectives are. What, what's, what's that conversation like? Well, you know, I think it really matters the the level of player you're talking about. You know, recruiting, the access and the supply and demand of players is totally flipped um, to where right now I think, you know, for a mid-major 
a program like us, and, and you know, we've won six championships in the last 11 years. We've got way more uh, demand for our spots than, than there really is supply that we have to offer. And so, you know, I, I, the, it, the pendulum is totally shifted. Transfer portal, um, access to junior college, international yeah. recruiting, high school recruiting. Um, there's there's way more prospects that we can pick than there are spots. Yep. So, you know, it, it, it's not as prevalent in, in our conversations. However, we are, um, you know, able to engage those conversations. So I'll get back to that piece. If you're at the power five, you know, there's far less players available that can help impact a SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, et cetera, league. Um, and, and so you've got less players to pick from your demand, your, your, you know, the, the population of players that you can go after are just totally different. So in a differentiation, uh, kind of component at that level, I think it's everything. Hmm. Luckily, right now, I'm not at that level. So, in, in our level, you know, it's 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 you know a little bit you know less stress. We still have to go after the best player. We're not beating out Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, you know, etc. Um, to get uh, you know that blue chipper uh, is just you know not going to happen. But um, the collective conversation has come up at some point in a conversation with almost every kid. And even it's, uh, you know, my, my previous institution where we're doing Zooms and we had, we had a kid that we did a Zoom with who ended up ultimately, I don't think he's ended up going to any school. And we were interested in this kid. And we remember it, talking to his buddy who was on the Zoom saying, hey, what about NIL? Can you get my guy paid? It's like, whoa, man, like, that, it don't always work that way. So it's a double-edged sword. Um, you know, you, we know, you, we know that certain guys have value and certain guys don't and what their market value is. That's part of what we study. I look at every kid's social media presence. Hmm. You know, I, I'm interested in that. I want to scroll through what you said, uh, after a game, after a win, after a loss. Um, you know, what do you say about pro teams and, 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 you know, do you just spout off? Uh, at the mouth and have diarrhea mouth on Twitter, like that, that type of stuff I want to know um, because that also helps shape future conversations that we have. Um, and so that, that I'm often the one that's going to bring it up to kind of state to the fact of like, Hey, here's some uh, mistakes and missteps you've had in the past. Let's help you clean that up so that a collective or a future brand, when you become a professional is, not just interested in signing you, they're 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 offering a contract in the first conversation because because of your brand, yeah. And Sean, you did that at Maryland. You would make sure all the guys tweeted out stuff properly. Like, tell me about I, this. Blew my mind. Tell me about this. Well, no, what is I, the story? I, I, you story. I, I you mean, told it, me about this one time. Well, it may have started when you were there, Nima. I, I can't remember, but I, yeah. I know I, I hit a certain point where it was like as soon as we announced or as soon as I got the the word from coach that, Hey, we're going to announce a new signing before we announced it. I was going through that kid's social media account and just searching words, searching words. Cause the last thing that I wanted was for his day to be ruined. He's announced that he's coming to Maryland because he tweeted out something really dumb when he was 14 years old. Like, 
yeah, it's not great for that kid. It's not great for Maryland. Um, and so I was always trying to look out for them. And then it kind of, it got you way ahead of the curve and, and you, you've heard of the players that in championship games, the biggest moments of their life, they're getting torn down, uh, because of a tweet they made or an Instagram post they made when they were young. So yeah, that was just part of helping them. I, uh, coach, I, I always go back to, uh, a conversation I had with Eric Ayala early in the season last year. Um, and I know you love Eric too. You helped, uh, get him to Maryland, but he was a, uh, a really, really mature beyond his years guys, like just really special kid graduated from Maryland last year. Um, and he, I asked him about NIL early on and he told me two things that always stuck with me. One, he said, I worry about my time. I don't think that I have enough time um, and I need to find people I trust around me to help me find really good deals, whether it's my mom or whether it's a friend that I trust. But I have to keep that circle really, really close, just as everything else in my life to help me make sure that I'm making the right decisions. Two, Eric told me he was like, I wish I was a freshman because I would take a business marketing class. I would hmm. try to learn how try to learn how to do business and how to market. I just found those two things fascinating. I don't know if you do, Coach. Uh, that's such a great point. I'm, I'm glad he meant that. The second point is a aha moment of like, damn, that is a good point. I uh, I I hadn't thought of that. That's that's something that I think as soon as we get done here, I'm going to mention to our, our academic advisor. <laughs> These guys are marketing class. Um, We've even thought about putting one on. I mean, Adam's a professor at Northwestern, and I was like, because Adam yeah, needs more is... things. To, Adam needs more things to do right now because he had a yeah. kid six months ago, quit his job, is building out this entire NIL company, and I'm like, yo, Adam, what if you just accredited? What if you made a program and they could take it for internship credit? And it was a three hour course, and it was like business marketing for NIL 101. I mean, this is it. This, this is that professional <laughs> development piece that we're talking about, right? And yeah. not not to cut you cut you off, Coach, but you know, w when we're talking about these opportunities, you know, you, you're in recruiting. Obviously, there's there's the inducement conversation versus just the ecosystem conversation around. Hey, how are we going to help you be successful? You know, in this environment, and that's that's one of the massive low hanging pieces of fruit, right? Like we can help you navigate this with all of the you know, the, the resources that are here at the institution and, and be creative. And I, I, from what Sean says, I know, I know you're hyper creative in the way you think about using resources <laughs> and, and leveraging opportunities for your guys. Yeah. I mean, look, in Horry County, South Carolina, where we're located, this is the fastest growing county in the country. Um, this is a, you know, school and institution that's been open since 1954. So we have a very young um, kind of alumni base, if you will. We're, we're, we're still in our infancy stages, but there's there's a whole lot of pride in wearing this teal, being part of Teal Nation, because there's there's few that that have earned that degree in the grand scheme of things compared to institutions that has been around uh, for 200 plus years. Um, so when, when you put these elements together, there there's definitely um, opportunity. How do you harness that wind is is what it all comes down to. And you know what? We could be I could take this hat off, put on a different hat and we could have dissected that institution and found just the same amount of wind. Um, it's just all about putting that sail up the correct way. Now that I live in a beach town where we go out on boats, I got some sail <laughs> metaphors. But you know, you gotta put that sail up the correct way um, so that we can really uh, get this thing moving. That's that's what it's all about. That that's that's my job and task as you know the the 
you know, quote unquote professional in this thing, but you know, everybody, everybody's a professional now. They're, you know, amateurs out the door. I don't care what anybody says. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the sooner that we can uh, find student athletes that understand that the better. Um, and, you know, some, you know, some, some kids in the recruiting process may, may have no understanding of that. They may not be the best fit for us who want to help students take advantage of that. Um, you know, I, I, I would love one day to, to coach the record breaker in NIO money. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like we mentioned before, let's not lose sight. We got to cut down nets and we got to we got to walk across stages and get degrees with multiple with an S at the end, not just one. Let's get more than one degree. So these are all really big, lofty goals. Um, but you know what? Every single kid I talk to, and I say, what's your goals in basketball? They say, I want to play in the NBA. That's a lofty goal, too. We can, you know, we, we got to have all of these lofty goals. They're, they're all important. I'm not shooting any of them down. Um, you know, I, I've scored zero points as a college basketball player. My goal is to be a college basketball coach. Here I am. So nobody, I'm not going to tell anybody they can't do what they want to do. We just, we just got to harness that wind. Right? Believe so it or not, coach, if you cut down some nets, good things will happen too. <laughs> good things will happen. Coach, I have a question. You talk about like them being adults. Parents, can we talk about this for a second? How do you deal with parents <laughs> so beautifully? Like, how do you keep mom and dad happy? Sometimes the parents are very involved in the athlete's career, both like in their yeah. sports, their playing time, their practice schedule, their lives. But you're also a coach and you, it's kind of like when they're coming off to college, you're like, mom and dad, I'm going to take care of them now. Right. What do you do with the parents that are like trying to hold on for dear life and like helicoptering, if you will? We might have that in the NIL community. <laughs> Yeah, I, look, parents want to be a part of their kids' lives. They should be able right. to. There's, there's obviously got to be a healthy balance. Those boundaries uh, need to be really established early on in recruiting, before there's a signing, you know, after the ink dries, and then constant communication after that. If if you're one of these coaches that says, all right, I'm only going to deal with the player. I'm not going to talk to the parent. Like, you're operating like a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. That. I'm, you know, we're going to run laps around you. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't require everyone on our staff to have constant communication with family members. Um, but, you know, we, we need to at least have a, a relationship and a presence and they need to at least know that they can reach out to us when needed. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, think about all of us on the call who are fortunate enough and anyone else listening who have parents still in their lives mm-hmm. and we've got our degrees they're still in our lives. So that we're not, you know, going to create a, a boundary or a wall. We want, we want them to be part of it. Re-recruiting your players on an annual basis is just as important, if not more important. Matter of fact, it is more important than recruiting next year's group. Okay. Someone that's already in your program, that, that's the priority and knowing not just parents, but there's a lot of sphere of influences that come around uh, each individual student athlete. And we got to know who they are, what their ulterior motives may be um, beyond just performing at a high level in the classroom and on the court. Everyone's got them. It's, it does not make you a villain to have an ulterior motive. Um, that, that's just something that we just have to be aware of. Uh, and so, you know, we got to, we got to work together. That's just the way I look at it. Um, you know, it's it's something that you know I feel strongly about because you're not going to separate uh, a family. That being said, you know on a 
two to one or three to one, sometimes even four to one rate in recruiting conversations I'm having or with the prospect than the parent or other members in that sphere of influence. And so that sets a, a pretty healthy precedent of like, this is the way communication will move forward once this player's here. Nothing's really changed. We're still staying in that same percentage, right? So if I talk to your player every single day, um, then I should be talking to the parent once a week, a month. Uh, you know, that that should suffice in that ratio of four to one, mm. right? So that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, healthy to to send out updates. You know, you, you know, I go out to, to eat with the kid. I'm sitting there. I might sneak a picture and send it to their mom and dad. Hey, I'm, I'm sitting out with, with Sean today having lunch. And, you know, I think the parents will appreciate that and then know that their kids are taken care of. Yeah. Their interests are there. Because the other thing that I, I strongly assume is that the the student athlete is also communicating with the family. Yeah. And so when, you know, communication aligns and we're, we're saying the same thing, um, then I think uh, guards go down and, and comfort is is found in at ease. That that's I think a, a great way to go about it moving forward. And if you're disingenuous at any point as a coach, that's on you. You were you lied or you you did something sneaky. Uh, you lost that trust. That's when parents will will attack. Think even in the animal kingdom, if there's a uh, a baby whatever animal. And like, let's call it a bear and mama bears around. We all know what that means when someone says, hey, mama bears around. Mama cares about their child. It's, you know, it's, you're not separating those emotions and those feelings. So you, so you better, you better do right by mama. Love it. it goes back cool. to that trust you were talking about. Well, coach, this was awesome. We, we appreciate this so much and you taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us. Um, we've heard some fun stories about you at Maryland with Sean, and we're just excited to see what you're doing at Coastal Carolina this season. Um, this is another episode of the NIL show with uh, Coach Nima, Adam, Sean, myself, and uh, listen in for the next one. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any teamware, custom merchandise, rec, or youth league jerseys, uh, fraternity and sorority wear, or company merchandise. We're always here for you. You can find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store.